So I want to I start this morning by asking you this question. Have you ever felt unheard, unseen, or unwanted? Well, if you have, today's message is for you. I want to start with a story, take you back to when I was in high school. I worked at the local camera store in the mall. And one day during my shift, a gentleman came in and we struck up a conversation. And we had a great time. We talked about all kinds of camera and all kinds of equipment and what this did and what that did and what you could add on here and there. But I want to give you, um, I want you to see more of the environment. And, and I want you to kind of, I want to paint a picture of some of the lessons that I learned that day. You see, this gentleman that stood across the counter from me, let's just say he looked like he was a country fella, right? It looked like he had on his overalls, looked like he had been maybe out in his garden, been working in his yard. Um, so he was well-worn hands, right? And so the thing I'll never forget is, I can't remember whether it was that day or whether it came up later, but it was within a short time. This man came back and he grabbed my manager and he said, listen, he said, I went somewhere else and they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me the time of day. But when I came here, this guy, he just openly helped me. He, he didn't care about my appearance, right? He just willingly helped me. And I want you to know this guy, his name was Jansen Cox. He was the um, director of the South Carolina Cotton Museum in Bishopville. And so he had come in that day looking well-worn. And I just treated him like we're supposed to treat anybody else. There was a connection between photography. And so I connected with this gentleman. And he just happened to spend a lot of money because he was working on a, a grant. He was working on a special project there for the Cotton Museum. And so I want you to know that I acknowledged him. I saw past the outward appearance and saw the human being. I saw the soul that stood before me and I connected with him. So I want to fast forward you to earlier this week. We got done with dinner and we were sitting in our living room and we watched the episode of Undercover Boss. How many of you have ever watched Undercover Boss or know what Undercover Boss is? All right, if you don't, go home and Google it. Go to YouTube, type in Undercover Boss. But as we were watching Undercover Boss, I remembered an outline of a message I had wrote years ago, and it was tugged away on my phone. And it was entitled, Undercover Boss Meets the Church. Okay? And so, I remember those notes. And so I began to just think and ponder and wrestle with, okay, God... This is an accident, and you'll hear that in just a second. And so I want to ask you this morning, for me and maybe for others, why is Undercover Boss so appealing? Why is Undercover Boss so appealing? Because, in my opinion, it pulls at your heartstrings. Right? These are real people doing real jobs. Yes, it is reality TV. But there for just a moment as you sit down and you stare at the TV, you're introduced to these stories. You, you see people that you can identify with. You see things that maybe you've done in past careers. And so these are real people doing real jobs. Some of them are making a difference, and some of them just stink. Right? I mean, to be honest, the truth, they just stink. There was one guy I remember, he was like, I hate customers, they're the dumbest thing ever. And so the man, the owner of the company was like, well, we kind of need to get you off the front line somewhere in the back. So you're not dealing with the, why we're here, you know, dealing with the people. Maybe we need to find another job for you. I think he got fired that episode. 
Anyway, the thing is, CEOs have to get out of their comfortable offices and homes and go amongst the people. Honestly, the show reminds me that there is still good in this world. And participants and viewers are reminded that somebody cares. They go from being unheard, unseen, and unwanted to being acknowledged by the owners or key leaders of their company. But ultimately, I see three things. I see grace, I see giving, and I see gratitude. Right? Maybe the one employee that I mentioned that said he hated customers, right? I saw a little bit of grace there because it's like she didn't yank him up by the throat and pull him out of there right away, but she took a moment to coach him. There was grace. Then at the end of the show, there's always a time of giving, right? There are needs in people's lives, and they give. And then always, whenever there's giving, there's a sense of gratitude. Now, you know what? I'm not ashamed to say this. I cry at the end almost every time. I do. And why? Because lives are changed, burdens are lifted, and hope is on display. As I was preparing this week, I just have to say that when God's in it, He connects the dots. Amen? And so... I was watching Undercover Boss, and I remember this message. We were going to be going somewhere else this morning, but then I remember that message, and I just began to kind of wrestle with it. And so this week, I was um, going through my desk. I was going through a stack, small stack of papers, and um, I was looking for some notes for a radio show that we had done earlier this summer. And I want you all to know, lo and behold, for some odd reason, I don't know how it got there, because I have this scanner that I scan all my stuff and then shred it. But lo and behold, in that stack of paperwork is four pieces of loose-leaf notebook paper with another sketch of Undercover Boss Meets the Church from 2014. Now, how that was on my desk, I don't know, maybe I had gone through a box or whatever, and the stack wasn't deep. Don't think I live in a mountain of paperwork. The stack was small. So I don't know how it got there, but as I began to read, I began to be reminded of some truths and another outline that I had written. So I said, okay, God, maybe this is indeed the way we're supposed to go this morning. So I want us to look at a story in God's Word where someone went from being unheard, unseen, and unwanted. And we can't just look at two verses. So we'll be looking at a larger portion than normal. So let's dive into the text. So listen, I want you to turn over to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And as you're turning there, as with Undercover Boss, we'll see that when we acknowledge others and extend grace, lives can change. So what does the Bible have to say about uh, feeling unheard, unseen, and unwanted? So y'all, I'm going to attempt to do something that I have never done the whole time I've been preaching. The Lord's in it. And he says, tell the whole story, you tell the whole story. So chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. It falls under the heading of Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. 
So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. That's a long drink of water. Now, y'all be patient. We're going to step ever so quickly through this passage of Scripture this morning. So listen up. If you take notes, take notes. If you don't, then I allow you to just listen. I allow you. I encourage you to just listen and allow God to connect the dots for you. Let's start in verse 3. Verse 3 said, He left. Y'all say he left. He left. Right? So I want to remind you is is we have to look back. But listen, he left. Where there is division, where there is strife, where there is pettiness, he moves on. Right? It's not the only time that we find that in Scripture. When there's division, when there's strife, when there's pettiness, Jesus moves on. 
Because see, we see in verse 1 and 2, now when the Pharisees, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. See, they were getting caught up in who was baptizing more people and wanting to compare and contrast. So Jesus left. We see in verse 3 that his destination was Galilee. And then... Verse 4 and following is really where I want to hunker down this morning. It says, John tells us, and he had. Y'all say had. Had. He had to pass through Samaria. Friends, he could have gone another way. There is, in fact, three ways to get where he was going. He could have gone another right, but John tells us he had to pass through Samaria. Remember that. See, most Jews did everything they could to avoid traveling through Samaria. Verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from his journey, was sitting beside the well. See, friends, Jacob's well is the validity of the Old Testament. Genesis 33. If the Old Testament wasn't true, if the things we read about in the Old Testament weren't true, then why does it show back up again in the New Testament? Verse 6. Verse 6, we're told that, so Jesus wearied as he was from his journey. Jesus was weary. We also see that between verse 6, 7, and 8, that not only was he weary, but he was thirsty and he was hungry. Friends, Jesus was a man. Jesus was God, but Jesus was also a man. He got tired just like we do. Friends, he can sympathize with you. He was God, but he was man. And even Jesus needed to rest every now and then. Do you think rest is important for us? Then we see it was about the sixth hour. That would be about noon. Scholars believe that's counting from 6 a.m. So the sixth hour would be about noon. So hold that thought. Verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. So we see a woman from Samaria and the last verse said she came at noon. Now look at verse 8 really quickly. For the for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So let's break this down. Verse 8 tells us that they were alone. Jesus and the disciples were together, but the disciples had departed to go to town to try to find food. As the Bible tells us, the Jews and Samaritans were not to have dealings together. Friends, John is telling us, yeah, they weren't supposed to be uh, extreme dealings, but they, we do see some interaction because obviously John tells us that they left to go into the city to find food. So there was some dealing. So we know that they're alone. And then why? I want you to look at this word Samaria or Samaritans. And who are the Samaritans? Well, the Samaritans were a mixed race. There was deep seated hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Why? Because they were part Jew and part 
Gentile. That basically meant you had Jews and non-Jews. And the biggest problem for the Jews was that the Samaritans couldn't prove their genealogy. Right? That was important back in the day. They couldn't prove their genealogy. And there was so much hatred, listen, that scholars say the Pharisees prayed that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. Do you see, does, does that kind of give you a picture of how much hatred there was? That they were praying that the Samaritans wouldn't be raised in the resurrection. That's how much they despised them. Listen, and John tells us, as we've already noted, that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Any other Jew would have taken one of the other two routes to avoid Samaria altogether. Listen, Jesus had to go through to meet this Samaritan woman at the well. It was a divinely appointed meeting. You see that she was a woman. Note that. We'll talk about that again more in a second. We've mentioned noon. It was about the sixth hour. And so as I was reading and I was studying this, what's interesting, friends, is the the Samaritan women would go to draw water in the morning and then in the evening. So if, if it's at noon, why is she coming at noon? Because she didn't want to have to interact with the other women. She wanted to be unseen. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Listen, at this point, she is flabbergasted. Right? She's like, I'm a Gentile. You're a Jew. Furthermore, I'm a Gentile woman. This shouldn't be happening. Why are you talking to me? Listen, it was not considered proper for any man, let alone a rabbi, to speak in public to a strange woman. As Warren Wearsby put it, our Lord set aside social customs because a soul's eternal salvation was at stake. Listen, no respectable Jewish man would talk to a woman would talk to a woman under search such circumstances. This is a Samaritan. A woman living in sin in public. Do you get the picture? Right? There was hatred. They weren't even supposed to be talking together. But Jesus did. Listen, the good news, the gospel, is for every person, no matter their race, their social position, or their past sins. We must be prepared to share the good news at any time and in any place. Jesus crossed all barriers to share the good news. And we who follow him must do no less. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered her. Friends, Jesus is still answering us today. Not audibly and not face to face as the woman of the well interacted with him, but when we ask him questions, he answers. Through circumstances, through speaking into our spirit, through his word, a word through others in our life. She came looking for a drink, but he wanted to give her living water. Water. 
You see, asking for a drink of water was a means of opening up a conversation with this woman. And notice that Jesus didn't use a sales talk or a sales pitch, but He simply carries on a conversation with her. Verse 11. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You see, we see problems and obstacles, and Jesus does the impossible. I love her response. If you will, for just a minute, use your sanctified imagination here for just a moment. So she's worried about how he's going he's to fetch this water, and then she says, where, where do you get that living water? Right? He had planted that seed, and, and he talked about, you know, woman, you came for a drink, but I... If you knew who you were talking to, I would give you more than just a drink. I would give you living water that would sustain you. You wouldn't thirst for the rest of your life. So he had planted that seed and she's worried about, Lord, how are we going to get this water? Wait a second. Wait. What about that living water? How, How do I get that? Do you see that picture there for a moment? I see that and I just, it made me smile, right? Because just in the middle, she's worried about obstacles. And then it's like, well, wait a second. Where, where do I get this living water from? Verse 13 through 14, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life. Friends, life is a theme that runs throughout John's Gospel. He mentions it 36 times throughout his writings. It's what Jesus came for, so that we may have life, so that we may have true life, so we may have abundant life, so we may have everlasting life, that Jesus tells us that He is the life and the truth and the way, that He is the bread of life. John 6, 47 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Are you looking for life? Look to Jesus. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Give me this living water so I will not be thirsty again. Listen, her immediate response was to ask for this gift, but she didn't know what she was saying. Listen to what my life application study Bible had to say. The woman mistakenly believed if she received the water Jesus offered, she would not have to return to the well each day. She was interested in Jesus' message because she thought it could make her life easier. But if that were the case, people would expect Christ's message for the wrong reasons. Christ did not come to take away challenges, but to change us from the inside and empower us to deal with problems from God's perspective. Verses 16 through 18, Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You were right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So listen, 
Was she a prostitute? Probably not. Was she divorced? Most likely. Was she living in sin? Was she living in adultery? Yes. But don't miss this. Jesus sees past her sin to who she could be. When we repent and turn from our sins, and we must repent and turn from our sins and look to Jesus. Listen, just because people have a past doesn't mean it defines their future. Did you hear that? Just because people have a past, just because people are living in sin, doesn't mean that defines their future. If they will turn from their sins and look to Jesus, ask for forgiveness, seek Him for what? Life. He came that you may have life and have it abundantly. As Warren Wiersbe points out, the only way to prepare the soul of the heart for the seed of the Lord is to plow it up with conviction. Jesus asked her about her husband to get her to admit her sin. You see, there can be no conversion without conviction. There should be a time in your life that you've accepted Christ's gift. There should have been a time where conviction came, that there was repentance, that you turned from your sin to Jesus and you received the gift of God that comes only through Him. You received the gift of God that He paid the penalty of your sin on an old rugged cross and that you have saving faith. Remember I asked you a few weeks ago, can you take me to a place and can you tell me of a time when you met Jesus? As we went through something recently with our family, you know, you don't have to have uh, some, you know, god-awful story and something tragic to happen to you to when you turn to Jesus. So many people hear people share their testimony and it's like, well, my testimony isn't like that. Well, guess what, friends? It's not supposed to be. That's their testimony, not yours. God has brought you through storms and trials of life that someone else in this room will never go through. Maybe they will. And if they are going through some of the same storms, guess what? Jesus took you through it. He brought you through it so that you could go over here to this one and say, listen, I I can sympathize with you. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a child. I know what it's like to lose a husband. I know what it's like to lose my job. Right? Don't go in in false humility and say, oh, I know how you're feeling. No, you don't. Sometimes you don't. And don't say that. Just go in and be there. Be present. 19 through 24. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, you believe in me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Then Jesus says, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Listen, instead of listening to Jesus, she tried to get him on a detour by discussing the differences between Jewish and Samaritan religions. It's been said, listen, it's more comfortable to discuss religion than to face one's sin. 
It's more comfortable to discuss religion than to face one's sin. Listen, often people become uncomfortable when the conversation is too close to home and they try to talk about something else. And as we witness, as we share Christ, we should gently guide the conversation back to Christ. His presence exposes sin and it makes people squirm. But only Jesus can forgive sins and give new life. Friends, you need the Holy Spirit to guide you. Sometimes you need to keep pushing when you're having conversations with others and and you're getting some pushback. Sometimes you need to push a little. But other times, you need to just plant seeds and you need to ask people, hey, can we continue this conversation on another day? But friends, you don't need to make that decision. You need to be seeking God and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you to guide me. Should I push a little more or should I back off? I planted some seeds. Is this for another day or do I push forward? He'll tell you what to do. He'll, he'll guide you whether to keep pushing or to back off. But plant seeds. You will never save anyone. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can save. Just be a vessel of hope and encouragement. Just talk about Jesus. Talk about what He's done in your life and your family. Talk about what He's doing in the church that you attend. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. How did she know that? Well, we don't know exactly, but it was planted in her heart and it was now going to bear fruit. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Verse 27, just then the disciples came back. They marveled that He was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek and why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. Listen. Verse 26. It was then that she put her faith in Jesus Christ and was saved. He acknowledged her sin and she acknowledged her Savior. Then look with me. She acknowledged him to her city. I I love verse 28. Verse 28 tells us, So so the woman left her water jar. Listen, y'all. She left her water pitcher. What was so important to her when she came, she left behind to go tell others about Jesus. Don't miss that. Once we meet Jesus, the things we thought were important are no longer important to us. She came to fetch water, but she left with the living water. In verse 29, she had a changed life and wanted to tell people about it. Friends, as I told you this morning, it's a beautiful picture of what the the woman at the well is all about. Because look at verse 39 through 42 with me. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 
He acknowledged her sin. She acknowledged the Savior. She acknowledged Him to her city, to her circle of influence. Her life was changed and she wanted people to know about it. Friends, remember, no person is too far gone for Jesus to use them for His glory. Here is a woman who was living in sin that Jesus sat down and had a conversation with. He saw past her sin to the person that she could become. That she wasn't too far gone to be saved. He saved her soul and then she made it her life's mission to go out and to tell others. And it says that many more came to believe. Don't look down on that person that you think is not important in your life that God has put there because He can use them to spread His love. So what about you? How can you apply these verses to your life? Right? Because that's what it's all about. That's why we come here each and every Sunday. How are we going to apply the preaching and the teaching that we've heard? How are we going to apply that to our lives? And I think we can live out today's message by following four L's. Four L's. We need to look. We need to listen. We need to love. And we need to lead. See, friends, what if you went out looking for a way to make a difference for Jesus? What if you went out looking to plant seeds for Jesus? What if you went out looking to have conversations about Jesus? What if you stopped and listened to people's stories? Listen to what someone else has been through. Listen to what God might be doing in their life. And what if you loved people like Jesus? Listen, just because people have a past doesn't mean it defines their future. And so what if you simply and intentionally set out each day to lead people to Calvary and the grace of God? So go out looking to make a difference. Go out listening at people's stories. Go out and love people like Jesus. And go out and lead people to Calvary. Lead them to God's Grace, listen friends, God is calling us to love well and to lead well in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our workplace, in our social circle, on social media. God is calling us to love well and to lead well. What is the greatest commandment? To love God and to love others. And ultimately, what could happen if you gave people second chances? People were thirsty. Are you offering them something to drink? If so, what are you offering them? Living water? So how can we live this out together? Undercover Boss was all about CEOs of companies rubbing elbows and spending time with the people on the front lines of their businesses. Jesus left His heavenly home to come down to earth, to be born of a virgin, a humble birth. He was the King of kings. He could have come with pomp and circumstance, but He didn't. And He lived a humble life. He walked. He taught. He hungered. He thirsted. He experienced pain. He knows what it's like to have people turn their back on Him. His Father turned His back on Him. He took on death and He defeated it. He can sympathize with you. He knows what you're going through. So friends, this morning, turn to Him. Trust Him. Share Him. Find true life in Him. I've heard it said that what you're familiar with 
you cease to see. That can be implied in so many areas in our life. Whether it's how we do church, whether it's uh, the route that we take to go to and from, whether it's just the routine that we find ourselves in, we become so rote. But friends, what you're familiar with, you cease to see. So maybe you need to be like Jesus and have a different route sometimes. He might just have someone there you need to minister to along the way. So get out of your comfort zones and step into the unknown. We need to be on mission for Jesus. Like Undercover Boss, we need to go out looking into the world to connect with people. Why? Because when we're obedient to what God has called us to do, lives are changed, burdens are lifted, and hope is on display. Friends, we have the greatest story ever told. Why do we not share it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this woman at the well. Thank you so much for this story. God, thank you that you can use anything in our lives, whether it's a television show, whether it's something we wrote long ago, whether, uh, most importantly, things in your word. Thank you for allowing your word to connect to our lives and our hearts. Lord, help us to live out the truths of what we saw this morning, that there are people around us who are unheard, unseen, and unwanted. God, maybe we're just the person that you want us to step into their path and make a difference for you. Father, help us to be on mission for you. Help us to love and to lead well. Help us to humbly go about our way, making much of you. Father, we thank you and we love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.